tonight, um, I would like us to, if you have your Bibles, um, the lesson is going to be out of uh, Joshua chapter 9. <coughs> Joshua chapter 9. Uh, we'll look at other scriptures, but um, it will be from Joshua chapter 9. And I've entitled this, The Lord Your God is Gracious. Um, we, we have several scriptures to read, but I'll just start off, then I'll, um, then we'll go into the, the um, teaching. Joshua chapter 1, I'll read this first. Chapter, chap, Joshua chapter 1, 1 to 3. It says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So here, Joshua Joshua has been trained properly by Moses. He wasn't just somebody that um, sat in the office and got training. He was out on the field with him. Everywhere he went, he went up the mountain where Moses uh, met God. He was there. He saw a lot of things. Um, so Joshua was well groomed. Now here it is now. God is sending him on, on um the mission to continue where Moses left off. Joshua chapter 9, 1 to 17. I'm going to read just a little part at first here. Now when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, the kings in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, the kings of the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They came together to wage war against Joshua and his Israel. However, when the people of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they resort to a ruse. They went as a delegation whose donkey were loaded with worn-out sacks. So what was happening here now? Um, from way back in Abraham's time, God had promised um, Abraham that his seed would um, be numerous, cannot be counted. And uh, he promised him a land, the land of Cana. It wasn't ready yet. So he w he when um, he... used Moses to lead the people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. That was where they were supposed to go, right away. You know, after he had them in the desert and trained them for a while, he was going to send them in the land of Cana. Moses ha um, got 12 spies, 12 men from the different tribe, including Joshua and Caleb, and sent them over Jordan to spy the place, to see how it is, you know, what's going on. They went, and when they came back, 
they had a mixed report. They, uh, they saw that the place was fruitful, nice fruits, big fruits, uh, you know, all of that kind of stuff was good. But they also recognized that the people, the, 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 the um, people who lived in Cana at the time, they were giants. They were, they were warlike. They were, they had walled up cities, and they even compared themselves as grasshopper to these mighty men. So, in giving their report, they caused the people to to um, heart to faint. They they were, they started to get afraid, even though God told them He was with them and He would um, take care of them. But they were afraid. So because of that, um, God decided he was going to punish them. So all the people over a certain age that were adults, that the ones that went and the ones that um, believed and, and, you know, mourned and cried and um, had faint heart, all of them died off in the desert. God made them wander in the desert 40, 40 years. So instead of them going to the land of Cana right away, they wandered in the desert. Just keep going in circles until all of them died. So here now, Moses died, but that's not the reason why Moses died. So Moses died now. Joshua is taking over. So God is giving Joshua the same instructions. Go across the Jordan. Um, Lead the people into Jordan. Any, um, anywhere you foot set, you're going to conquer it. The people that you see, don't worry about them. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to deliver them in your hand. So Joshua, first of all, it was a miracle how he came across the Jordan, the Jordan River. And even before that, he had to fight off two um, two sets of people that came out after him. So they didn't have CNN in those times. They didn't have all of these news media. News traveled. It, it, it didn't travel so fast, but it still traveled. People knew about what was going on. So the fear of the Lord, it went ahead. And the people of Cana, the Canaanites, all of those names that you heard me call, Hittites, Gergesites, Amorites, Canaanites, um, Perizzites, and Hivites, all of them, they heard it, and they were, the fear gripped them. As tough as they were, fear gripped them. I'm just thinking now, um, back in the days, I'm in Jamaica, and you know, you hear about a hurricane coming, and it's coming, but it's, it's developing um, in intensity. It's getting bigger. It's getting stronger, and it's coming directly for you. You know, sometimes you just want to play tough, but you, you, you're still wondering what's going on. But here now, these people, they, they're hearing what's happening. Kingdoms just like theirs. Joshua is just moving through it, and he's just tearing it down. He's, just, um, he's doing what God told him to don't take any prisoners. Don't have any sympathy on anybody. 
you're going to kill them. Everybody, meaning all the children. You know, a lot of people have a problem with that. But we'll see. We'll see the reason for that in a short while. My question is, why did God command that the Canaanites should be destroyed? They are people. They are people like everybody else. So why? If we look at Deuteronomy 7, 1 to 2, it says here, When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergesites, the Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. Why did he tell them this? So, the, the Canaanites, if we look at the Canaanites, and that covers all of these people that, that, that are there, they worship idols. They worship all the hosts of heaven. They worship, their God was Baal. They, they burnt their children in fire as offerings. That is one of the weird practices that they had. They burnt their children and offered them as sacrifice. They use divination. And, and that is uncovering hidden knowledge by supernatural means. Omens. And that's closely tied to fortune telling. So they did everything evil in the sight of God. The Bible says God is merciful and he is long-suffering. There's a scripture that says he's long-suffering to us words. He, he doesn't want any one of us to, to, to perish. He would prefer us come to repentance. So why is it that he is um, ordering the destruction of this place? I looked a little further and um, it says here, archaeologists have given us a glimpse of how evil the inhabitants of Palestine had actually become. They were involved in bestiality, incest, molestation, homosexuality, prostitution. And if that wasn't enough, they even sacrificed their children to idols. The entire land had become so contaminated that God, who truly sees the big picture, decided for the good of mankind that they had to be destroyed. Only God knows the big picture. We can only see, you know, what we see. So the thing is, he knows if they are going to repent. He knows if they have any chance of repenting, if, if they have that in them at all, or they're just going to continue to do what they're doing. But what he was protecting his children from is he didn't want the Israelites to go over there and um, intermarry and, and um, have company with them because they are going to contaminate them. He wanted them to have their eye on the true and living God. But if they went over there in that state, they were going to contaminate them. And think about this. When Israel went into captivity in Egypt, 420 years, they were in the land. 
they were still in the land. So God gave them at least 420 years to change, to start, you know, doing better. But they never changed. Deuteronomy 20, 16 to 18, it says, But in the cities of these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes. This is, this is reinforcing it. 17 says, But you shall devote them to complete destruction, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, as the Lord your God commands. 18 says, That they may not teach you to do according to all their abominable practices that they have done for their gods. And so you sin against the Lord. So, he didn't want them to go over there and make friends with them and later on the intermarry and um, everybody offering the children as sacrifice. I'll read this also from Psalm 106, 34 to 38. This is, this is basically after everything. It says here, they did not destroy the people as the Lord commanded them. They really didn't destroy all of them. They, 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 got, they killed a lot of them, but some, some were still left. But they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to idols of Cana. And the land was polluted with blood. So this is what God didn't want to happen. He didn't want them to go over there and make friends with them. He wanted them destroyed. And that was a strict commandment for them. So here now, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, they knew that the, the Israelite God delivered them from Pharaoh. They know about coming across the sea. They know how um, the Israelite God caused the destruction of the Egyptian um, army. They heard what the Israelite God did to the two kings on the other side of Jordan. Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan. They totally destroyed them. So, they are, they are hearing about this because the news is spreading further in Cana. So they are marching forward and whatever they did, it's going out to the people as well. So they are hearing and it is causing them to be very fearful. They heard what happened to Jericho and Jericho was a fortified city with big walls around it. They heard what happened to it. And they know that was not even something natural. So they feared God. And they heard of the destruction of Ai. Israel was marching through Cana and going towards Gibeon. And they could not be stopped. Who could stop them when all of this was happening? So they feared the God of Israel. And they feared that uh, the people of Gibeon. They feared now that they, they were coming directly for them. 
they had gone through Jericho, Ai, and they were heading for Gibeon. And if we look back in um, Joshua 2 with uh, Rahab, she was a Canaanite as well. Joshua chapter 2 verse 9 says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you have fallen on us so that all who live in the country are melting in fear because of you. So they are, they are fearful. No matter what kind of um, face they put up, they are fearful. When all the other nations of Cana heard this, they came together and formed a coalition to fight Joshua and Israel. So the rest of, you know, all the other um, tribes, they come together, and their purpose now was to fight Joshua and Israel. But the, um, there is the Gibeonites. They lived in, in um, Gibeon. They were, they were Hivites. They lived there. They had something different. They feared. They feared, but they didn't just follow the norm that everybody else is doing. When the Gibeonites heard about the God of Israel, they became desperate and afraid. They knew that the next target for Joshua and his army was them. He was coming straight to them. They knew they were powerless to stop him. If they did nothing, they would die. And they had no interest in fighting Joshua. So what are they going to do? Unlike the other tribes in Cana, their fear and desperation led them to devise a plot to trick Joshua into making a covenant with them so they won't die. The Bible tells them, don't make any covenant with the people of Cana. Don't make any covenant with them. Kill them. Don't spare none of them. Kill all of them. So they had to come up with a trick. Or they had to come up with something that would deceive them in such a way. They would just believe and get into this covenant with, with, with them. Deuteronomy 7.2, it says, And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you, are, you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. The Israelites were warned not to make a treaty. But here is what the Gibeonites did. They sent a delegation, like they sent an ambassador or, or you know, a, couple, a couple of people over to them. They were not too far from them. They were like 20 miles from them in that radius. But what they did, they got some old clothes. And everybody put on this old clothes. Old wineskin. Um, burst. You know, everything old. Bread, mildew. Um, everything that they had was old and looked like they had it on for years. So... They came to them and told them they were coming from a far land and they wanted to sign a treaty with them. So, of course, they asked them, where are you from? They're from a far away land. I don't hear them telling them where they're from. You know, far away where? It, it, it probably have a name, but they didn't um, mention any name here. They just said they're coming from a far away land and when they 
started off on this journey, these bread, bread that they had, it was freshly baked and it was warm. Now you see it, mildew, we're coming from far. Everything points into the, they are coming from far. Look at our clothes. We had on, you know, good clothes, but it got so bad, we had to um, stitch it up. And, you know, everything, the shoes look real worn and everything. <coughs> but this was all old clothes. They got and put on, staged this thing because they were going to trick Joshua. They wore old clothes with patches, and everything they had was old, and the food was mildew. In addition to that, they came to Joshua and tell him, Oh, we heard about your, the fame of your God. That is true, but they're using this thing now to puff up Joshua, to make Joshua, you know, don't pay too much attention to this treaty that they are trying to enter into with him. And, and they could just slip in and get this treaty done quickly. They spoke about what Israel did to Egypt and everything, they, how they destroyed the two kings. But they never mentioned the most recent things that happened them destroying Jericho and destroying Ai. Because if they had mentioned that, news didn't travel so far. So Joshua would have said, you know, how, how, how you know that already? You know, they, it's possible for them to know things that happened a long time with when they were in Egypt, when they were coming out of Egypt and all of that. But the things that just happened, they deliberately left that out. So they went home and did some homework because they are desperate. I don't know if this is a good comparison, but there is a scripture when Jesus went into this house and he was, he was preaching. And um, these friends, about three or four of them, they had a friend that was um, paralyzed. And they wanted him to have an encounter with Jesus. So when they took him to the house, it was so full they couldn't get in. But they were desperate. So they went on the roof. And they opened the roof and let him down. Desperate. When you're desperate, you think outside of the box. It calls for desperate measures. You don't do this ordinary things because you're desperate now. These people, they're desperate. Joshua come in for them. Joshua destroy everything in his path. And he's coming for them. They can't fight him. If they try to run, they would have to run out of the whole of Canaan. But he's coming for them. So they came up with um, some, they were desperate. So they came up with desperate measures. They did all of this so the Israelites would not suspect that they were Canaanites. And they unsuspectingly entered into a covenant with the Gibeonites, which is Hivites and swear by their God that they will not kill them. Israel made their decisions based on close observation. It didn't say Israel consulted God. It didn't say Joshua prayed. He didn't, he didn't, pray, bef he didn't pray before. They observed the clothes, the food that they have, the shoes, they looked at them. And based on all of that, 
and listened to what they were saying. And based on all of that, they made their decision. And they, they entered into a covenant with the people that God told them not to enter into a covenant with because they tricked them. When they were entering into that covenant, they felt that these people came from outside. And you could enter into covenant with people from outside of, of Cana, but they would be your slave. They, they would serve you. So this would have worked out well because, um, you know, if this was the right thing. But they were from, what, 20 miles from where they were. They were Canaanites, tricking them. Um, they looked at the Gibeonites and were tricked by their appearance. They accepted their story that they came from a faraway land, made a covenant with them, and they didn't consult God. The Gibeonites must have learned everything about Israel before they became confident that they could trick them into entering into a covenant. Only prayer and consultation with God could have revealed who these people really were. So they didn't do that though. So they were tricked because they didn't consult God. Everything was moving in the right direction. People were, um, they, they were fearful of them now. So they, they slip up because even though things are going right for you, you know, there was a time when you didn't have a job. You prayed every day, ask God for a job. You get a job now, you get a promotion, things going well. You start missing the praying, you know, ever so often. You know what I mean? So this is what Joshua is doing here and his people. Things going good now. So they can afford to miss a prayer there, you know. So <coughs> likewise, the enemy, the Bible describes the enemy like he's like, he's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. He tempts us based on what he knows about us. So if you, if you look back at this, what the Gibeonites did, they studied the Israelites. They studied them. They, 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 they knew what their law said. You know, how they can act and how they, they're not supposed to act. So because of that now, they saw this loophole where they can um, exploit. And that is exactly what they did. So that's what the enemy does to us. He tempts us based on what he knows about us. He studies us and knows what we like and dislike. Then he tempts us based on that. The enemy attempts to puff us up also as a strategy to trick us. He did that with Joshua. That's the same thing, you know, he does with us. Try to puff us up and make we just feel like, oh, we're too big to do certain things, you know. To overcome the enemy, we must do as Peter says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We must pray constantly. We should not do anything without asking God's guidance. If Joshua had done that before, they wouldn't be at this place. They would have identified that these people are Canaanites. And it would have stopped right there because they would have attacked them and 
just it was just a commandment of God they would be fulfilling. Now when all the Amorite kings west of Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their heart melted in fear and they no longer had the courage to face Israel. Um, here, the Israelites did not ask God if they should enter into covenant with these people. So God did not tell them. He did not tell them. Later, Joshua found out that the Gibeonites lied about who they were. So here is the thing now. They were Canaanites, and Joshua was heading to them to destroy them. By this time, now he knew exactly where they were, and he realized that he was heading right there, and he realized that they tricked him. He's the leader. You trick the leader like that, he's going to be embarrassed. And quite likely he's going to come for your head because he's in charge. Whatever he says goes. He must have been humiliated. But he still honored the covenant he made not to kill them. See, let me get to that. Um, Joshua cursed and enslaved them. So what he did now he asked them why they did this. And they, they told him, we heard about you. You destroyed everybody in your path because your God is with you and he told you to do it. We were next. So we had to come up with something. And this is just to save our lives. So do whatever you see fit with us. And Joshua said, okay, from now on, you will be woodcutters and water carriers for the house of the Lord. They said, fine, we gladly accept that. That's better than all of them dying. The elders of Israel recognized that they, ha they made a mistake and did not make another one by killing the Gibeonites. Sometimes we make mistakes and we realize. And what we should do is allow God to clean it up. We, on the other hand, make another mistake. In, in trying to cover that one up. But they were careful with this. Um, so we don't want to listen to the voice of the enemy when we make a mistake. That's the time that he comes and he's in our ears and says, hey, they'll never talk to you again. They, you, you, you are condemned. You know, that's the time he tries to isolate you, to condemn you, so that you do worse things talk to Jesus talk to him about it let him correct give your mistake to him and he'll take care of it God turned their mistake into something good because the Gibeonites now they were going to um, be the woodcutter and the water carrier for the house of the Lord they were in a position now that they were going to learn about Israel's God even more. And scriptures talk about them later on. You know, they were still in, in, um, in covenant with, with God and still with the Israelites, even though they weren't supposed to do it. But here, it looks like they, um, they got converted. Okay, 
the covenant that Joshua made, even though the deception of the, the Gibeonites was very embarrassing, it is less important than the covenant they made with God. So he was embarrassed. You know, they tricked him. But the bottom line is, once he got God involved in this, once he made a covenant with God, if he break that covenant, it would be worse than the, the trick that they tricked him. So he didn't break the covenant. And here are some scriptures now. Hebrews 6.16, it says, Now when the people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. The Israelites considered their oath to the Gibeonites as binding, especially since it was a promise given in the name of Yahweh. So they invoke the name of, of, of God. So they can't just go and break it like that. Not so. So the leaders replied, since we have sworn an oath in the presence of the Lord, the God of Israel, we cannot touch them. God made sure his people knew that a covenant was not to be taken lightly. It is to be honored. He wanted his people to be credible and honor their word. Do you know that uh, 400 years later, King Saul, he broke the covenant. He killed some Gibeonites. 400 years later, you think all of that is forgotten and everything. But he did. Second Samuel 21, verse 1, it says, Then there was a famine in the days of David, three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is for Saul and for his bloody house, because he slew the Gibeonites. So, he killed the Gibeonites, even though they made a covenant 400 years before. God still honored that covenant. So, in order to, um, what, what ended up happening is, David had to give the Gibeonites seven of Saul's sons. And they killed them. And, and uh, it started raining again. So, God honors covenants. The Lord was punishing them for unfaithfulness. God would not allow different leaders to break his covenant and get away. See, what he wants to do is establish one word. Moses had one word. Joshua came on and just took the word, just the same word he used to lead the people. When Joshua... Um, when Joshua died, the different judges, they did the same thing. It should be one word. When Saul came, Saul should have done the same thing. The word out of the Bible, he shouldn't stray to the right or left. He shouldn't break any covenant. They knew that, but he did what he pleased, and it, um, he broke the covenant. So God had a problem with that. How important is the covenant you made with God? Is it more important that whatever is urging you to break it? <laughs> How important is it? Hear what the Bible says. If a man vows a vow to the Lord, 
or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. One more. Deuteronomy 23, 21 to 23. It says, if you make a vow to the Lord, your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from vowing, you will not be guilty of sin. You shall be careful to do what has passed your lips, for you have voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. I want to look back on Josh. Uh, Rahab. Rahab, most of us know the story of Rahab. Rahab, she's, each time a, her name is mentioned, it says Rahab the harlot. <laughs> Even if she's not that anymore, <laughs> Rahab the harlot. But there's a parallel between Rahab and the Gibeonites. Rahab was also a Canaanite, she was living in Jericho. Joshua destroyed it, but she um, helped two spies, and she made a covenant with the spies that she will help them, and when they come back, they will save her and her entire household, and they did. And it, if, you, if you look at the Bible, she became um, part of the lineage of Jesus. There's a parallel between Rahab the harlot and the Gibeonites. Rahab was a Canaanite living in Joshua. We see that Joshua 2.1. The Gibeonites also lived in Canaan. At the time, they were 20 miles from, <laughs> from Joshua when they tricked him. Rahab was confident that God had given the land to Israel. Their land, where they lived, was given to, to Israel. She was confident of that. Joshua 2.9. The Gibeonites were confident that God had given the land to Israel and they feared for their lives. Joshua 9.24 Two different Rahab and the Gibeonites but they were Canaanites and they acted differently when they were confronted with basically the same. They, they acted the same way I should say when they were confronted with, with, with the situation. Rahab was smart and entered into a covenant with the two spies to spare her and her entire family. Joshua 2, 12 to 13. The Gibeonites used deception to enter into a covenant with Israel to save themselves and their people. Joshua 9, 24. They used deception. There was basically no other way. They couldn't bargain with them. They couldn't go to them and ask them not to kill them they would have done it because this was a command from God. So they had to come up with something. But they were prepared for the consequence because the consequence wasn't death. The consequence was you know, being a slave to them for the rest of their lives. The fear of the Lord came upon the Canaanites. But isn't this, uh, look at this, the fear of the Lord came upon all of them. But Rahab was the only one that um, it, it, that fear should cause you to change. That fear that you fear God, it should cause you to change. 
when she heard that, she realized that whatever God she was serving wasn't as powerful as this God. So there, a change had to be made. So that's when she, um, she started, you know, um, she got converted, so to speak. The Bible talks about the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were warriors. Their, th- all of their men were men of war. So for them to surrender like that, they must have looked at what the Israelites God did and that drives so much fear in them that they were willing to just surrender themselves to the Israelite God because they felt that there was no other way out. So it had that effect on two of them. The other Canaanites that come together now to fight against the Gibeonites because the Gibeonites, they are traitors now in their eyes. They, are, they have aligned with Israel. So all the other Canaanites, they come together now to fight, to fight against them. The others form a coalition. But their coalition was defeated by Joshua. Fear should bring us closer to God and not drive us away. They made, I mean, none of them were, um, none of them were worshippers of God. They were evil, but somehow that fear caused a few of them to turn from whatever they were doing, while the others, they just get together and decide, let's do it the same way. Let's bigger the number, let's fight. So they got all the other kings from all over Cana to fight, but it didn't work. Joshua killed them. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Hope you don't have any questions so far. <laughs> no, I should say any questions so far. <laughs> God's people should not make covenant with unbelievers, or we will end up following the unbelievers and disobey God. We should seek the will of God first. We can find it in the scriptures through prayer or by consulting godly people who understand more clearly the ways of God. You have people like that planted in the church. They have more um, understanding of the word of God. They can help you. Prayer, and by reading the word. But we should make covenant with unbelievers. Amen? Any questions? For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. <coughs>